talking to you all about worship. Before then, here is a little bit of my testimony. You know, as you know, I've been here at the church for about a year and a good few months now, uh, but I, I don't think I ever shared my testimony at all. So my testimony is not too crazy. Um, I actually grew up in a Christian household. Um, both my parents were saved when I was born. Uh, I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up in, in the youth group, um, you know, church camps, the whole, whole nine yards. I, I grew up in the church and I grew up learning. I grew up um, serving. I grew up in, in, in the worship ministry and in youth ministry. And, and that's pretty much my testimony. It was when I was 12, um, I remember, you know, claiming Jesus as my Lord and Savior during a camp. And ever since then, I've been walking with Christ, you know, learning more and more every day. Um, I know my testimony isn't as crazy as those testimonies about people who, who had drug addictions and they were saved or people who, um, who had various house problems or just problems with themselves until they were saved and transformed. I love, I love, I love hearing about those testimonies. And it's, I always joke about how my testimony is not as, as, uh, my testimony is pretty boring compared to them, but, but it's just, uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's boring. It's just a different testimony and a different um, perspective. But again, I just grew up in the church. I grew up learning about Christ. Um, and, and I'm here now with the church. These pictures were taken at 2014, so about seven years ago. The, this is me. When it, the first, I think the first time ever I started worship leading at a church. Um, this is our youth group. I started worship leading at the youth group because there was actually no one that was able to play at the time. Um, so the the youth pastor talked to me, and he knew I was I played guitar. And ever since then, since that start, you know, I, I started leading worship. So again, I, I started off in the youth group and I worked my way through the church. I remember when I started at the church, they had me in this little, little amplifier, a tiny one. And I would just play my guitar to the tiny amplifier. And I remember that, that I was like, why, why am I just in this, like, you know, playing in this little tiny amplifier, but it's, it's pretty much just training and getting me set and through, you know, throughout years, uh, I, I came from worship leading at a church to becoming a worship director. And from there on, I, I, I moved to here at Paris Valley Community Church as the worship director here. And honestly, it's definitely a blessing and a privilege. And it's crazy to think, you know, and this this works with everybody. Um, if God has a plan for you that, that you know, or um, when God directs your steps, he literally will take care of everything. To be honest with you, I had no idea. I could not imagine that I would be here literally preaching to you, um, worship directing here at the church. You know, when, if, when God has a plan for you and he directs your steps, when you follow him, when you obey, he literally will take care of everything. Uh, so that's a mini encouragement for you all this morning. So the reason why I share my testimony and the reason why I shared a little bit about my experience in worship is because today I'm going to be talking all about worship. You know, when I was younger, this is what I believed worship was. I thought great worship is when everyone is emotional. You know, when I look through the congregation, I see crying and I see people bowing when I see people uh, shouting. I used to think that's what great worship is. 
In addition, I thought that God is more pleased when I would sing louder. Like if I'm in the congregation and I sing louder, or if I raise my hands higher, then that determines that my worship is, is, is better. And in, in addition, I, I believe that the outward appearance determined how much I worship God. Again, I really thought that with the way I looked outside is what pleased God when I, when I worshiped him during you know these worship sessions, these worship nights, Sunday mornings. And the reason why I share you what I believed worship was is because throughout the years, as I, I, I learned more about the word, as I grew in understanding through the Holy Spirit, I am so surprised how far off, you know, I, I was. And today, as we get into the word, we're going to answer three questions. One, what is worship? How we worship? And why we worship? So I, I invite you, church, to pray with me as we get started. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for every heart that's listening in this room. I pray, O oh Lord, that you be with us as we learn your message this morning as we understand what worship is. I pray, O oh Lord, that you speak through us, that your Holy Spirit be with us. You humble our hearts, you open our ears, and I pray that we get something new this morning, Heavenly Father, and that you lead us. We thank you, and all God's children say, Amen. So church, what is worship? I invite you to read along with me as we go to Matthew 15, verses 1 to 9. And again, a little background. This is the Pharisees questioning Jesus, and this is Jesus' reply. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrive from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They ask him, why do you disciples disobey our old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commands of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I have given to you. In this way, you say that they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. So what do we take away from this? That God just doesn't look at the outward appearance. On verse eight, it says, these people honor me with their lips. You know, they say praises to God. They sing praises to God. But when it comes to their hearts, it is far away from God. So there's something to do with the heart. It's important to worship. In addition, if you follow me on Isaiah 66, verses 2 to 4, a little background context for you here. God, this is the Old Testament, and God is telling the prophet Isaiah to tell this to the people of Israel. If you don't know, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel was God's chosen people. Um, throughout generations and generations, God saved them. God saved them from slavery. God blessed them. God gave them a new chance. Um, God just took care of them. And, and for generations and generations, what these people did was they disobeyed God. They worshipped idols. They did horrible things in the sight of God. And even in our standards, they did things that are very bad. And it's crazy because these people, from generation to generation, God has been so good to them. 
They've seen God's goodness. They've seen God's power. But even though they've seen it, they still choose to disobey and they still choose to do what's wrong. So this is what God tells Isaiah to tell the people. He says, My hands made both heaven and earth, and they, and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word, but those who choose their own ways, delighting in their detestable sins, will not have their offerings accepted. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb, it's as though they had sacrificed a dog. When they bring an offering of grain, they might as well offer the blood of a pig. When they burn frankincense, it's as if they had blessed an idol. I will send them great trouble, all the things they feared. For when I called, they did not answer. When I spoke, they did not listen. They deliberately sinned before my eyes and chose to do what they know I despise. You notice that it was rhyming a little bit. Eyes and despise. <laughs> but going through this, I wanna I wanna highlight this. So, what what's God's t God's telling Isaiah to tell these people is because their hearts are so far away from Him. Whenever they offer a sacrifice, their sacrifice is is not considered good. And when we look back in Isaiah 66, verse 2 to 4, like for example, they're saying that when when the people sacrifice a bull, which is a good sacrifice, because their hearts are far away from God, it is the same thing as if they had sacrificed a human, which is a bad sacrifice. Same thing here. When they sacrifice a lamb, which is a good sacrifice, it's as though they had sacrificed a dog because they have been so disobedient and their hearts are far from God. And the, the crazy part here, it says, when they burn frankincense, which is a good sacrifice, but because their hearts are so far from God, it's the same thing as if they blessed an idol, the same thing if they worshiped an idol. As you can see from, from these scriptures, you see there's an importance when it comes to our heart and when it comes to worship and it comes to sacrifice. It's not just the outward ex ex outward appearance, but God looks into our hearts because we could sacrifice all we want. We could give all we want. But if our heart is not right, then God will not accept that sacrifice. In addition, we look at Hosea 6.6. 6, and again, I, God is talking to the prophet Hosea and he's telling the people uh, of Israel this. He says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. So this is key. Like I mentioned before, like the scriptures we've been going over, you could sacrifice all you want. But if your heart is not right with God, then the sacrifice is just vain. It's like if you worship an idol, it's like if you gave an offering that is bad. So that's why it's important that we check our hearts. And when we go back to the question, what is worship? I believe Romans 12.1 has the best answer. This is Paul preaching to the church. And he says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So if you, for those making notes, what is worship? It's living a life that is set apart, a living sacrifice that is holy to God. So what does that mean? It means it's not just singing songs on Sunday or, or reading your Bible once a week on a Monday. 
but it's setting our lives separated. It's setting our lives holy. It's making life decisions that are pleasing to God. It's when we choose to not fall into sin. It's when we choose not to live a certain lifestyle that displeases God, but setting our lives our whole lives from the day you were saved till the day Christ comes again. It's setting our lives as a living sacrifice, holy to the Lord, acceptable to the Lord. That is worship, brothers and sisters. That is worship is when we set our lives set apart, holy for the Lord. So now that we understand what is worship, the question is, how do we worship? And if you follow me along in the scripture at John 4, 19 to 24, this is what it states. It says, and a little background context real quick. This is now Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman asked Jesus a very interesting question. So it says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 19-24 So, the cool part about this is the Samaritan woman asks, Hey, why do you say that you could only worship God at this place, but we say we could only worship God here? Ever since Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, and we accepted him in our hearts as Savior, we were given the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we have access through God. And the cool part about it is we have access through God anywhere. After Jesus was resurrected and we accepted him, we no longer have to be at a certain place to worship God. If you think that the only t place where God is is at church, that is very wrong. If you think the only place where God is in a, is in a particular state or a particular country, that is wrong. You know, once Jesus has gave us the Holy Spirit, we can worship in spirit wherever we go. As long as we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have access to worship God anywhere. And that to me is amazing. Imagine if you have to go to a certain place every time to see God. But now we have God living in us, the Holy Spirit living in us, freeing us to worship him anywhere. So if you're taking notes, how do we worship? We worship in spirit and in truth. So we talked a little bit about in spirit. And I'm going to share with you one more verse about in spirit. It's at John 14, 26. It says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus was telling his disciples, once I go, I will give you my Holy Spirit. So like I mentioned before, we have the Holy Spirit. Once we accepted Christ, we have access to worship God anywhere, to worship in spirit. But now we could look at this next verse to talk about worshiping in truth. 2 Timothy 3 verses 15 to 17. This is Timothy preaching to the church. He says, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Thank the Lord that we have the scripture. We have the Bible today that is God breath, that it leads us, it teaches us. Because again, it's important not that we just worship in spirit, but we worship in truth. And by worshiping truth, that means to really know, you know, who God is. And how do we know God? It's through his word. One thing I share is that when I was growing up, I, I lacked biblical knowledge. And, and it I felt like it really hurt me. And what I mean by that is, yes, I grew up in the church. I grew up, you know, in worship nights. But the thing is, I, I wasn't really reading my word that much. And I, not just reading it, but I wasn't understanding it that well. I didn't take the time. I didn't, I didn't try to learn it. I, I read it, you know, and I, under, I, I understood things. But it wasn't to a point where I truly understand what worship is. And back then, because of my lack of worship, I used to do things that I thought are worship. But really, it's not. And what I mean by that is in, in middle school, um, in my mind, I thought that if I raise my hands like like in praise and I kiss the sky, like literally kiss the sky, then I please God. So imagine you're in middle school and you see this random kid during class raising his hands and kissing the sky. Like I genuinely thought that if I do that and people see it, God will be pleased. And it's because of my lack of knowledge. Like I knew that I had to worship God, but because I didn't know what, what pleases God, I didn't know what worship is, I would do these things. And and to look back at it, it's, it's kind of funny. I know my parents laugh at me <laughs> about it. They tease me about it. But it's because I didn't really understand how to worship God. I, I wasn't worshiping in truth. I, I didn't know, you know, what really pleased God. So... Again, church, it's important that we worship in spirit and in truth. Because again, we have the Holy Spirit. We could worship God anywhere. And in truth, reading the word, understanding, knowing him so that we could do the right things to worship him. So going on with that, how do we worship God? Another thing is this. If you follow me at Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. It says, but, and again, a little background. This is Jesus replying to the Pharisees, asking him a question. And this is a pretty popular question for Christians as well. And he says this, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever thought as a Christian, you know, there's what is the greatest commandment? You know, there's the, the Bible's big, right? And if you ever wondered, you know, what the greatest commandment is, it's pretty cool because Jesus literally answers that for you. And again, if you're taking notes, how do we worship God? It's loving God and loving others. So how do we love God? Again, going back to what I said, it's worshiping in truth. It's reading your word, 
reading the word, knowing him, knowing what he likes, knowing what he dislikes, and, and living that way, setting our lives holy, set apart. When we look at Colossians 3 verses 5 to 11, this is what it says. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now it is time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, and put on your new nature, and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slaver-free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. At Colossians 3 verses 5 to 11, it lists the things that God dislikes. God doesn't like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and encourages us to do good. Again, I know that it might sound common for a lot of Christians to, to know that, you know, these things displease God, but maybe for a new Christian or a new believer, maybe they didn't know that sexual immorality or lust was was an important thing that God dislikes. So it's important when, when we, again, what is worship? It's setting our lives apart from God. And how do we do it? It's by worshiping in spirit and in truth, making sure that we set our lives according to what pleases and displeases God. When we go ahead and continue on, uh, on the next few verses in Colossians, we read this. Since God chose you to be the holy people, he loves you. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience making allowance for each other's faults, and forgiving anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. From Colossians 3 verses 12 to 15, it encourages us to be tender-hearted, to have mercy, kindness, humility, to be gentle. And again, church, this, this ties in with loving others. You know, sometimes uh, we think loving is just, you know, giving somebody a hug on a Sunday. Um, but it's it's the small things, church. It's, it's when a brother gets you angry, it's a sister gets you angry, and you choose humility. It's when you see people fighting, and you, you step in and you choose peace. It's when a brother is sick and you choose love and kindness to go out of your way to, to, to help them or, or to give them a little something. Again, love is, is it's more than just giving hugs on a Sunday, but it's these little things that, that loves others, that pleases God. It's when we choose humility. It's when we choose love. It's when we choose to give when people are in need. It's loving our brothers and sisters, and through that, it, it we love God because he loves his he loves his children. And again, the one big thing here that from Colossians 3 12 to 15 is is it's choosing to forgive others. You know, this it's crazy that I, I hear Christians who, who hold grudges. And the reason why I think it's crazy is because Jesus forgave us for our sins. Literally in the verse it says, The Lord forgave you. 
so you must forgive others. So I encourage you, church, if you're holding a grudge, if you if you choose not to forgive someone, forgive because the Lord forgave you. Your sins are great, but God forgave you. So just as we follow Jesus in the way he loved, in the way he served, in the way he gave, I encourage you to follow that, to love God and to love others. James 3 verse 7 to 12 says this, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fish, fresh water from a salty spring. So James is saying this. Think about it. If you if you see an apple tree, will an orange grow from an apple tree? If you see um, an orange tree or an orange bush, I don't know how oranges grow, but do you expect a banana to grow? No, you don't. Just like when we we expect Christians, followers of Christ, do we expect them to bear cursing? Do we expect them to bear fruits of destruction? No, we expect them to bear fruits of the Spirit, kindness, humility, joy, love, peace, patience. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, again, watch what you watch the fruit that you bear. Like what James said earlier. Um, the same mouth that's, that praises our Lord is the same mouth that curses those who have been made in the image of God. The same mouth that sings, how great is our God, is the same mouth that curses. The same mouth that sing, I sing praises to your name, is the same, God, is the same mouth that gossips. So that's something that I feel like we all got to work on. It's something that I got to work on myself. But I encourage you to bear good fruit to watch what you say. If you have a bad habit of cursing, you know, try your best to stop. And it's not just because um, you're, you, you're religious, so you don't curse, but it's because you understand now that as a follower of Christ, as a representative of him, you bear good fruit. So please, church, I encourage you to, to be careful what you say. This is something we all got to work on. And, and the more that we bear good fruit, the more that that we, we we bear fruits of the spirit, you know, it helps it helps in the long run. People will see that. People will see that you're different. People will know that you're Christian. And through that they they'll ask you, why are you different? And then you have an opportunity to share because Jesus Christ saved me or because because Jesus because I follow Jesus, you know. So use that as an opportunity. And lastly, at Psalms 19, 14, and I love this so much. This is a Psalms, and this is singing to the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, it's setting, worshiping God, is setting our lives as a holy sacrifice. And it's it's choosing to, to have a heart that is pure. It's choosing to have mouth, uh, speech that is holy pure so i encourage you church again to to set your your life to do to choose things that would bear good fruit so lastly why we worship and i love this so much 
So if you follow me at Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 22, it reads this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus by his death. Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into his present, the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Why we worship is because we were given eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it's amazing, church. Once you truly understand how much God loves you, once you truly understand the pain in, of, in the cross that Jesus bore for our sins, you can't help but to worship. I ask you to follow me at Romans 5, verses 8 to 11. It says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of the son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Isn't that amazing? And the cool part about it, we're not just friends of God, but we are children of God and, and we have eternal life through heaven. I know that you hear it all the time. You know, we have eternal life. You hear about the cross all the time. You see it everywhere. But once you understand how amazing about the thing that happened on the cross you just can't help but to worship i'm telling you we you know the song highway to hell yes that's literally that's literally us as human beings we deserve to go to hell ever since adam and eve and from generation to generations we continue to sin as human beings as people we continue to worship idols we continue to sin we used to, we continue to do disgraceful things both in the eyes of god and even in the eyes of man and and it's through through all that you know we deserve to go to hell you know the crazy part is too is even though from generations to generations like i was talking about the israelites there before like we, we know God, we've seen God, we heard about God, we, we follow God, but still from time and time after again, we just fall and we just displease him. But, big but over here, because of God's love for us, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We no longer have to play highway to hell because through Jesus Christ, once we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we are no longer destined for death, but we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And once you understand how crazy, how amazing, how awesome that is, you cannot help but to worship. I heard this analogy and I think it's I think it's kind of good. It's pretty good. But it's it's a story about the son and his father who was in an island. And, and the father told his son to stay out of the water because there are sharks there. But of course, the son goes into the water. 
and from there sharks start to appear and is about to bite the son but before the, the sharks were about to bite him the father was able to save the son and was bit with a bunch of marks you, know, you would imagine you know shark bites everywhere um, everything's bloody you see the marks you see the pain and and once the once the father saved the son in the island the son looked at the father and saw all the bruises saw all the blood saw all, all the pain do you think that the son would think again before he would go back to the water if you are truly saved and you truly understand what Christ has done for you, trust me, it will be really hard for you to stay in sin. It will be really hard for you to stay in, in this place of evil. Because everyone falls. We are people. We are human. I still fall. Christians still fall. But the difference is when you are truly saved, once you truly understand the love of Christ and what he has done for you, you cannot help but to go back running to him. You cannot help but to go back to him. That's the difference here, church. If you're truly saved, you truly believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior, even though you fall, you cannot help but to run back to Christ. You cannot help but to run back to the light. Ask for forgiveness. Once you truly understand the power of God's love, you cannot help but to worship. Number two, why we worship? Because he is the creator. If you follow me at Psalms 19 verses 1 to 5, it says this, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. Psalms 19, 1-5. And what, what it's saying here is he's talking about when the heavens proclaim the glory of God. When you look up, the skies display his craftsmanship even though the skies don't talk even though the skies don't say words still it is known to everyone in the whole world everyone sees the sky and when you look up and you see the sky you see the work of god and it's amazing if you think about it you you start thinking about nature you start thinking about you know air you start thinking about how intricate the world is, how amazing, how fascinating the world is from the trees, from oxygen, from all these little things. Everything is so specific. Everything is so, is so well designed that when you look at to the sky, when you literally just go outside, when you look outside right now, you see the sky created by God. You see the evidence of our God in creation. You see the evidence of God in the sky, in the clouds, in the heavens. And it's saying that God is the creator. So that's why we worship, because he is the creator. And follow me at Psalms, Psalms 95, 1-3. It says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Psalms 95, 1, 2, 3. It's amazing. Um, just throughout these years, just learning about um, worship. And the thing that fascinates me the most is there's something special about singing. No, it, it really is. If you think about it, there's a whole book in the Bible about singing psalms. 
Um, the Bible references God singing to us. There's a lot of references of, of inviting people to sing, to praise the Lord. And, and to me, it's crazy because literally it's just like when it comes to singing, it's just songs. Like it's literally just a hit, a hum or a tune. And, but for some reason, there's something special about that. I have um, one of my best friends. We grew up together in the church. He's one of my best friends right now, actually. And um, we grew up in, in Sunday school. We grew up in our middle school days. And um, we grew up together in the church. Um, we were best friends. We were best friends. And um, ever since, you know, life moved on, I had to move because I'm moving to a different area, different city. So we weren't able to go to the same church anymore. And unfortunately, he actually stopped going at the time. And um, we, we went different ways. I, I went to the church way. Um, he stopped going to church, kind of doing his own thing. And then when we got connected again during high school, um, we started talking again, hanging out more. And, and he was telling me about how like during high school, he's questioning his faith. Um, he's, he's actually even at the point at the time when he was blaming God for all the things that's happening. And, and it's, and it's crazy because I knew him at the church. We, we grew up in Sunday school and, and all that. But he was telling me how like he, he, he's blaming God for all these things that's happening. But what we did is we, we read together and we started reading together. We prayed together. Um, we sent worship songs to each other and we just, we just dug deep into the word of God. And I encouraged him to keep reading. And, and as he continues to search for God through reading the word, through prayer, through spending time with him, one day it just clicked. I felt like one day just the Holy Spirit just revealed himself to him. And I'm not talking about like an angel appeared in his room and he saw it. But what I'm talking about is when he was reading the word and when he continually did it throughout time after time, one day it just clicked to him. One day he just understood it. He didn't just get the wisdom, but he understood the wisdom. As he continued to read the word, as he continued to understand it, one day he understood how much God loved him. One day he understood how much the cross meant. One day he understood the joy in salvation through Jesus Christ, and it just clicked to him. A few weeks ago, we, we met up for dinner, and it's crazy because he's super different. You know, we were we were talking about our faith and he was excited to talk about it. And there's one thing that was very interesting. And, and this is why I bring the story up. This relates to the Psalms that I, I just shared with you. He told me this. He said, David, I think I'm a pretty good singer. And you're probably wondering, like, why? Why is that crazy? Well, because my friend, my best friend, he's he's a tough guy. He doesn't sing. I would never imagine him singing back at the days when we were at worship services. He's the guy that just, you know, stands like this. Well, he's the tough guy, so he'll probably stand like this. <laughs> but I would never, ever imagine that those words would come out of his mouth, that he, that he's, that he thinks that he's a good singer, or even the fact that he enjoys singing. He was telling me like, yeah, I'm in the shower singing worship songs and it's, I think I'm pretty good. And that just amazes me because once he understood how good his God is, once he understood how loving his God is, once he understood how great his God is, for some weird reason, he cannot help but to sing. 
for some weird reason, when you understand how great your God is, how for how, for some reason, how when you understand how big your God is, you cannot help but to sing a song. You cannot help but to express through song how great your God is. And that's what surprises me the most about singing, is I would never imagine my best friend guy that I thought would never sing that that I thought he even like disliked singing out of nowhere after he learned more about Christ once he understood it he told me that he takes joy in singing that he loves to sing praises I would never imagine that this is quote from C.S. Lewis and he says we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely express but completes the enjoyment it is appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. So what this quote is saying here, that when we praise things, it's not just because it's we have to express it, but we take joy when we express it. Like our joy is complete when we express it. And this is what I mean. If you think about it, we as people, we praise things all the time. Like, I love basketball. Shout out to the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry. Um, but when when he pulls like a, like a long three, or if someone does a crazy dunk, I just can't help but to be like, yo, bro, did you see that? Or I can't help but to tell somebody like, dude, that was crazy. Did you see that? Wasn't that amazing? Or if you see a cute girl um, and they're like, bro, did you see that girl? She's so cute. Or if the ladies, if you see a cute guy, whoa, did you see that guy? He's very handsome, right? You just can't help but to get that confirmation. How about when we understand how great our God is? How about once it's revealed to us how good our God is? You cannot help but to tell somebody, dang, look what God did. He is so good. Or if a miracle happened and and you just can't help but to call a friend and say, dude, God did this. Isn't that amazing? What C.S. Lewis is saying in this quote is that we take joy when it comes to praise. And to me, that's amazing because God calls us to worship, right? And when we worship God, it pleases him. But the cool part about our God is when we worship him and when we praise him, it not only pleases him, but it gives us joy. It completes our joy when we praise Him. It's not just beneficial for Him when we worship Him, but it ben- but it gives us completeness. It gives us joy when we sing praises to our God. And to me, that is absolutely amazing. That when we worship our God, we have fulfillment. That our joy is complete in our expression of worship. So lastly, church, I want to end it with Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. It says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, church, what is worship? It's setting our lives apart. It's It's giving our whole life to Christ. Choosing to be holy. Choosing to get rid of evil. Choosing to not walk that way. Setting our lives apart, holy for him. 
How do we worship him? Again, we worship in spirit and, and in truth. We could worship God anywhere through the Holy Spirit. And we worship in truth by reading his word, knowing what displeases him, knowing what he likes, and following that. In addition, we, we do that by loving God, loving others. And lastly, why we worship is because God sent his one and only son to die on the cross to save us, to give us hope, to give us a new future by accepting him, going to heaven, no longer going to hell through Jesus Christ. And because he is our creator and there's a joy in when we worship him. So I encourage you, if you are a new Christian or if you are somebody that when it comes to worship, you, you see people raising their hands, you see people sing, um, and you're worried like, hey, how come I'm not like that? How come I'm not getting it? Don't worry about it too much. I encourage all Christians, all, all my brothers and sisters here, that you start off with learning more about your God. Pastor Chris said this in a sermon previously. He said, start with, if you're brand new, very brand new, start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Learn about Jesus Christ. Learn about the good news. And then move forward from there and text me, text Pastor Chris, um, contact us, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know where to go next. <laughs> but again, I encourage you to, to, to worship him in spirit and truth. And that's by living our lives separated, holy, choosing to live a lifestyle that pleases God. And that right there, brothers and sisters, is true worship. So when we choose to live our lives holy as a holy sacrifice. And once you do that, and once you continue to grow in, your wor in his word, you can't help but to sing. Once you understand that, once it clicks to you, you just can't help but to raise your hands. Once you understand how good he is, how great he is, the things he's done, you just can't help but to worship. So I invite you, church, to pray with me as we close. Dear Heavenly Father God, I thank you so much for this message today. I pray that for every heart oh, oh, here, oh Lord, I pray that we, we just learn God and, and continue to grow in you. I pray, oh Lord, that you guide us in, in spirit and in truth. And that when it comes to worshiping you, God, that I pray that you lead us in the right way to worship you. I pray, oh Lord, that our worship is not a bad sacrifice. But let it be a good sacrifice that is good to you, Father God. Help us remember to be good with you first, Heavenly Father. Help us remember to bear good fruit. Help us remember to watch our mouth, to love one another, God. And help us remember that through that, through that choice of choosing you, choosing your ways, that's how we worship you, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, that we remember that. I pray, O oh Lord, that you be pleased by that. And as we go our separate ways, God, I pray that you continue to give understanding, that you continue to give guidance to your people. And I pray, O oh Lord, as they continue to go closer to you, that God, you move closer to them. Do miracles, Father. Show yourself to them. Help them understand, God, your goodness. Help us understand your love. Help us understand your grace. And we thank you, God, so much for everything that you've done. We thank you, God, so much for everything that you will do. I pray that you keep us safe. 
I pray that you take care of us all as we meet again. And I pray that you just bless the rest of our Sunday. We love you and we thank you. And all God's children say, Amen.